This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Ringgit and Sense is brought to you by Sun Life Malaysia. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense. I'm Sim Wee Boon and we're here to talk about money. This is a show all about personal finance. And with me today is Stephen Yong. He's a licensed financial planner for Wealth Vantage Advisory. Now, the new year starts as quickly as the last one ends. And before you know it, you're back to work, drawing your first January salary again. Unfortunately, the economic sentiments for 2023 has been a bit gloomy with many agreeing that we're going to see a global recession. While we might, you know, there are those that will debate whether this is a shallow but drawn out one or a deep or a fast one, the fact remains that you'll definitely have to tread this year carefully when it comes to your money. But what does this mean and how do we go about it? Well, Stephen is here to talk to us about it and share some tips. Um, welcome to the show. Always good to have you. Hi, Sim. Thanks for having me. Uh, totally excited to be looking at what lies ahead for the year 2023 for us. Exactly, right. Okay, so with that, right, let's start with uh, what you should do in 2023 first, right? I mean, do, do you start creating a new budget for 2023? Do you start creating a new list of what to do how do you approach a new year, right, when it comes to your money? That's a great question there, Sim. So for 2023, you definitely want to be looking at what lies ahead. So the previous years can actually be a good reference for you as well. So key things that may change as well, for example, would be changes to your cash flow. For a lot of people, this might be times that you will be getting an increment uh, or a bonus actually coming ahead as well. And rather than when it actually hits and then scrambling or thinking or suddenly rushing on what to do with your additional money that's coming in, it would be great to have a plan in advance whether that's you know, spending you know, part or even all of it or whether that needs to go into savings or investments. You also may want to look at what other key expenditures that you would have ahead as well. Now, for different people, that might mean different things when we say your know, key expenditure. But for most people, if you're actually looking at spending anything above, you know, say 5,000 ringgit in, in the year, then that's something that's actually worth budgeting for and actually looking, hey, these are the things that you know, will be happening throughout the year and then how to actually get there. There's also no single one approach as well. So for some people, it may make sense that uh, you actually save that up over a number of months towards reaching the amount that you need, say, to go uh, travel somewhere in the world or for some other major expenses, renovation, etc. For some, you may be using uh, your bonus itself. So again, it depends on how your actually cash flow comes in. That's the template that you have, right? But every year is also situational, right? And let's look at 2023 and what's there to look out for. So everyone's talking and saying that re- recession is inevitable. Even if you, the last time we spoke, we were in the late stages of an early recession, right? So so what happens now? I mean, what exactly happens to you when we're in a recession? So there will be certain things that we would actually be seeing that are really clear signs that we're actually in a recessionary stage. And this goes beyond you know the technical terms of a recession where we see two consecutive quarters of negative uh, GDP growth. So certain things that we'll be seeing as well is that interest rate hikes will actually start slowing down or coming off its its peak as well. And I think it's very clear that we're seeing, you know, even in Malaysia, uh, rate hikes are expected to, you know, uh, end within the first half of the year. Uh, we're seeing in, in the US with the Feds, the Federal Reserve actually slowing down uh, the rate hikes that are happening uh, as well, uh, we are also seeing that uh, spending, which was definitely hit in the in the last year for many people, although there was a little bit of revenge spending going going back previously due to the pandemic, but January we'll see that uh, slowly but surely, as you know, we go into recession, that there will be a tightening of of belts, but there would actually be a time as well when you know we start seeing that slowly and surely spending you know starts increasing back ahead. So again, it's one entire cycle that we're looking at. 
But is there any key events to watch out for? Any key indicators to look out for, right? Sure. So some key things to uh, look at is that you'll be seeing that the industrial production will be uh, bottoming out and that can happen in various industries as well. You'll see also uh, property developers, uh, for example. Uh, you'll see very few new launches of uh, projects in a, in a full recession. Yeah, you will see that, uh, uh, for example, a lot of uh, companies, you know, the production will also be reduced as well because the demand uh, just isn't there. Uh, we talked about the interest rates falling a little bit. We talked about consumer expectations being, being really low. And you actually would see, interestingly as well, uh, that there would be certain key spending on small luxury items actually in the time of a full recession or what is commonly known as the lipstick effect. So when it actually becomes really expensive that you know belts are really tight and you can't afford to be extravagant, instead people will start opting to go for small luxuries so at least they do get some uh, comfort even though they can't be spending on the big stuff. There can be small luxuries such as uh, lipstick or you know going out for you know nice meals once in a while. So this is part of the lipstick effect that we're seeing that small luxury item spending uh, would be there. And you'll also be seeing as well, if you're looking from a technical basis, the yield curve would start normalizing as well during the recession period. Okay. So generally speaking, then, you know, should I be worried that like things are just going to get more expensive? My investments are going to go down. I mean, for the lay person, right? What should they be worried about then? Sure. So key things, of course, for a lot of people would be uh, whether your income is still there. That would be the number one uh, priority. So if there's any risk at all of your, your income uh, being lost or your job being cut, that's when you really need to have you know a large, sufficient backup fund uh, in place. But if your work is still ongoing, you're still getting your income, then it actually becomes more of a period of just waiting it out, actually. So the thing is that we don't know how long a recession will actually last and you know, the market correction or market downturn during that period of time. So we know historically that there will be a bear market which is defined at a less a 20% drop from its peak. And it actually happens you know, one year out of every four to five years. And the average duration of a market downturn during a recession is slightly over one year. But Averages can be actually a little bit misleading because although that's the average, it might actually end up being longer than that. You know, who knows? It might take two years, three years of a market downturn. So for a lot of people, for especially for investors, it will actually be hanging in there when there's actually no clear light at the end of the tunnel itself, where markets seem to be just flat and going nowhere. That over time, you might feel that, oh, it's hopeless. What's the point of it being uh, invested in the market? So it's really to actually be there, being able to be patient, not to look at your investments every day in the read and stress, stressing yourself out, but really to get to the other side of the market itself. Okay, so what should I be doing then, right? Do you focus on building up an emergency fund? You might have dipped into it last year, right? What's the good rule of thumb when it comes to maybe the savings and the money that you have on hand at first? So for backup funds, you a good rule of thumb would be having at least six months worth of your expenses. If you can do a little bit more, you can cover six months of your income at least. And if there's any risk of losing your, your active income from your work or any instability of income, you might be wanting to look at having 12 months worth of reserves or more itself. And this is just savings, yeah? We're not asking you to put your money out there. This is just to make it into either your bank account or fixed deposits, right? 
Sure. So you would definitely want to be looking at somewhere that's a little bit more liquid. So for example, under high yield savings accounts, uh, fixed deposits. Now I know some people may be thinking as well, hey, if I have so much reserves, you know, but it's not working for me, what are my alternatives? So there would be other options as well. So for example, if you actually have a property, that's still under loan, it can be actually at a great time because rates, interest rates uh, and your repayments have moved up as well that you can actually put in money into your property capital advance repayment account which would actually reduce the capital owing and the amount of interest that you pay. So this would also help you to clear off your debt, pay less interest and actually get your funds out, uh, your, out sooner. And you can also be looking at other options such as money market funds or even income portfolios, basically things that give regular returns while still remaining fairly liquid. Okay. And now we move to the next step, right, which is the investments, right? Do we rebalance our portfolio in anticipation of what happens next? Because at the end of the day, we don't know how long a recession is going to be, but I still want to be able to make money or be able to have a positive investment uh, number, right? So how would we approach that then? So it also depends on what vehicles that you're actually using for your investments. So for example, if you're actually uh, using specific investments like buying specific uh, stocks, uh, etc., then you would actually need to be looking at market timing a little bit as well. So while you may not absolutely be able to time the market bottom, but you can know that, okay, at certain price points that this would actually be an attractive uh, price of valuation to go in. And then you can actually put in some investments there. Good rules of thumb would be to actually divide up the amount that you have for this sort of singular uh, investments into specific stocks or even crypto into dividing it into a rule of third or a rule of fourth. So uh, let's say you have 100% of X amount to invest, you can divide it into three. So you look at three different price points to actually invest into the market. On the other hand, if you're actually taking an approach where you're actually looking at more of a portfolio of funds to invest, then there's really no need to actually time the market and the entry. So it's more of just dollar cost averaging in investing on a regular basis. And studies have shown that the difference between absolutely perfectly timing the market and just dollar cost averaging in having regular savings that are done, uh, say, on a monthly basis, the difference actually is not much at all. So you would actually reap the gains of getting in investments at a really attractive pricing. But some would maybe caution that maybe just holding is still the best. Like just stay off trying to explore and just keep doing what you do. Or in fact, maybe just, you know, focus on just building a savings. Because at the end of the day, we really don't know how 2023 might turn out. Especially from the trauma of 2022, right? Where we really saw things that no one could have guessed really happened. Like the war in Europe and, you know, COVID still continuing to have such a huge impact on our economy. Most definitely, there, there will be things that uh, we don't expect to happen or what will otherwise be, be called as you know, black swan events as well. So whether it's uh, COVID affecting different countries or even countries where the opening up has been a little bit slower, like uh, China, which is only just gradually reopening it up after a very long time of having zero COVID uh, policies as well. And I understand that psychologically, it can be actually very difficult to invest when you actually see your investments in the rate. So the first thing, and I think that's one thing that all of us can practice is just one, is do not panic. So seeing your investments in a rate, do not panic and then sell off all your investments because you'll be realizing your losses, which uh, which are right now paper losses. But if you actually realize it, it would be actually the worst time to actually sell off your investments and taking the hit of the losses. So continue to have your funds that are already invested within. If you have the means though, it is a good time to actually continue to just invest into the markets at a small regular 
basis. You don't have to go way overboard, but just to continue on. And if your cash flow, your lifestyle is already supporting that, do know that you are actually buying it at a good price that are really attractive. For example, in the in the past year, we, we saw various people, including people who were looking at value like Warren Buffett, making significant investments into the markets after sitting on his thumb for so many years, actually. So, yeah, value investors will be definitely seeing that as an opportunity. Thirdly, if you do have extra funds to allocate, you suddenly got a windfall or a bonus, then you'll be looking at, okay, how does my asset allocation look? Am I uh, lacking actually in picking up on equities or into uh, fixed income investments? Or maybe I don't have any alternative investments like gold or cryptocurrency. And you, you don't have to throw everything in, but it may be good to just put in a little bit to slowly bump up your allocations towards where you should ideally be in terms of your overall asset allocation. So it's essentially, I mean, it is going to be somewhat cheaper. You, you're going to get deals around to make these investments, but you just got to do your research and also be ready to put in what you're ready to lose, right? Because um, at the end of the day, it's still, there is still a, some degree of risk that comes with this. Correct. There will always be a period of uh, volatility, but again, this is an economic cycle that we're going through and there's always going to be a period of growth, there's going to be a period of uh, contraction, but there will also be a period of recovery as well. And historically, over hundreds of years, you know, when it actually goes to a recovery, it will actually reach new peaks and new highs from where we are. So really, it is a sense of opportunity there as well lying ahead. All right, we're going to take a short break for some messages. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. Stay tuned for Ringgit and Sense, brought to you by Sun Life Malaysia. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense. I'm Sim Wee Boon and today's topic is 2023 and what to look out for. My guest today on the show is Stephen Yong. He's a licensed financial planner with Wealth Vantage Advisory. Earlier before the break, we were talking about investment opportunities in a time of crisis like a recession, high inflationary period. And now I want to bring up gold and the US dollar, which gained a lot last year. So for those that were lucky enough to put money in it, congratulations. So Stephen, do you expect the gold and US dollar to continue their momentum this year? So for gold itself, it is a good asset to be a holding. One is uh, as an inflation hedge and also historically as well, gold actually tends to perform uh, better than even equities say uh, during periods of uh, recession as well. But with that being said, you don't want to be holding too much of, of allocation into gold because there is a misconception that gold is actually a safe heaven or a safe investment, but that's not actually true. If you actually look at how volatile gold is, it is actually a higher risk investment as well. So for most people holding between say 1% to up to 5% of your overall allocation into gold and just maintaining it at that levels is actually a good amount to be holding at. If you're talking about currencies like the US dollar, uh, for example, so the US dollar actually went up, it, uh, it reached a new high versus the ringgit as well. But a key part of that was also driven uh, with, the in, with the inflation rates because in the US, the inflation rates were coming from a very low base previously. That's why we were seeing, we were seeing those really aggressive rate hikes. But as rate hikes are expected to start slowing down as well, and in 2023, especially on the second half, we may actually see the US dollar uh, coming down a little bit you know, in relation to the interest rates slowing down as well. 
But I think for many people, there is this discussion, this, this thinking where like between savings, paying off my debt and investing, right? I mean, I only have this so amount of money that I can like after my expenses hold on to where I can allocate. How do you balance it out? I mean, is it possible to do all at one time where I save some, I invest some and I use some to pay off my debt? Or is it better to just save first, build your buffer first and then or finish off your debt first, then only look to invest? I mean, how do you approach these three things where it, you know, saving, paying off your debt, and then investing. Sure. So we, we need to look, be looking at it from a holistic uh, basis. So firstly, when it comes to the emergency savings and backup funds, uh, that without a question comes as the number one priority. Because if you don't actually have that cushion, then let's say something unexpected happens and or let's say there's emergency and you need to withdraw those funds, but it isn't there, then you would be actually forced to liquidate your investments to actually cover that. So that would be the worst thing to do, especially to liquidate your investments when it is actually at a loss. So that is actually the first base that needs to be covered before you look at the rest of it. But when it actually comes to investments and when it actually comes to paying off a debt, that can actually be done both at the same time. It then becomes a question of what is actually the level of uh, debt uh, in terms of the interest being charged versus the expected returns from each of the investments. So you'll be looking at whatever gives the highest quantum. So a key part of that would actually be things like credit card debt or personal loans where the interest rate being charged is definitely on the higher end of the scale. So it may not uh, makes sense to look at your investments at that stage until you actually clear off. So, for example, your credit card debt that you're paying 15 to 18% per annum. So, even if you did investments that, hey, we're doing giving you 10% returns, you would still be losing money effectively if you haven't cleared off the credit card debt. So, that comes as a higher priority. But if you're actually looking at things like, let's say, a property a loan, which is uh, usually for a longer tenure, say 30, 35 years, it, you then will be looking at when can you actually clear off the loan, but you don't want to be clearing it off too fast as well in the sense that you then don't have enough funds that you can actually set aside for savings and investments. So for property, you would actually want to look at a property amortization table and kind of figure out, okay, ideally that uh, at the age that you retire, say 55 or 60, you would have actually cleared off your property loan in full and then figure out what is actually the dollar amount that you need to set aside for your to make capital advance payments to clear off your loan a little bit earlier so that you can clear it off and you don't carry that debt or the expense when you're actually retired and then the rest of it you can actually look to invest yeah okay so you know pay off the higher interest loans first then only look to invest unless it's for something like property and everything but i want to go back to this saving and debt thing right so you know yeah credit card debt is probably the most common debt that many malaysians have right and they are very high interest paying um maybe for the more younger ones the, the listeners that are more younger that they don't have a property or anything right i mean does it make sense to quickly just pay off all the debt you have before you start looking at building your buffers your savings because i mean for the average Malaysian that's a fresh graduate or a bit younger, just started working, you're looking at maybe three, four K salary. Some of them might have like some credit card debt and everything, right? I mean, do, do you look to clear it all up first, then only start building your supper or is, uh, your buffer? Or is there a more better way to kind of like just half it and do it, uh, do it in tandem? So a clearer guideline would be whether the debt that you have, whether that's bad debt or good debt. So bad debt is basically defined as actually a debt that causes you to lose money. 
So this will be like the ones that you mentioned, like credit card debts, personal loans, etc. Where it's basically an, an expense that if left unchecked can quickly balloon and cause a lot of financial stress. On the other hand, good debt will be things like uh, you took on a loan to purchase property, uh, for example. So with that, the, the property asset would also increase over time as well. Historically, property appreciates at a rate of about 3.98%, close to 4% per annum. So for good debt, it's you don't have to clear it off immediately, but for bad debt, that is one key thing that you definitely want to clear off as soon as possible. And with that being said, right, should people look to hold off big purchases? People will say when market is bad, you know, there's a lot of deals, you know, the house will be cheap, right? there are deals to be found in the stock market, right? But what's your general advice for a regular person on the street, right? Hold it off first. My general advice on that would be for big purchases let's say like a property etc don't buy just for the sake of purchasing it's like for example there's a sale wow you're having a sale you know 50-70% off but there's no point in buying if it's something that you actually don't need because you are still going to be paying for it. It is still going to be an expense. But on the other hand, if it's something that you are already planning for, you have already saved up for the down payment, the various costs associated with it, for example, for buying a property, and now you are able to get it at a discount versus the price that you should be paying, then that's a great time to actually, and a smart move to actually be pulling the trigger at that point of time. Lastly then, before we end, right, what other tips do you have for our listeners to better prepare for 2023? What should they really be looking at to help with their expenses, their savings, their investments and generally just, you know, taking the year with a clear mind and don't panic, everything's going to be okay. The, the two key things, one would be to just plan ahead whether it comes to your cash flow, to your budget, you know, look at how much increment that you're expecting in terms of your income or if you're a business owner, how much your income would actually uh, be. Uh, for the year, any bonuses, etc. And allocate that. But also leave a little bit of a buffer as well for any unexpected. You don't want to be allocating up to the last ringgit and then suddenly if anything goes off or any expense increase, then you would have uh, issues with that. So know where your money is, is flowing and how to allocate that. Secondly, is just knowing that you know we while we don't know and for certainty how long the market downturn will be, how long the recession would be, but there will eventually go into a period of recovery as well. And to just regularly invest in during this uh, period of time. Because one thing for a lot of people who have gone through previous uh, recessions and market downturn before is they look back and wish, gosh, you know, I wish I had the courage to actually invest during this period of time. Or if they invested, I wish I had invested more during this period of time. Now, it's easy, of course, to be said in hindsight, but when you actually uh, look at it and you are actually going through it, it can really be scary. But if you actually have a plan and you know that and you trust that markets will eventually recover, it is a good time to just pick up and continue investing while valuations are attractive and just know that even though it may seem long and far, that eventually there will be a light at the end of the tunnel. All right. And with that, we're at the end of the show. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you for having me, Sim. And that's all the time we have for Ringgit and Cents. I've been speaking to Stephen Young, licensed financial planner with Wealth Vantage Advisory. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance. We have the 10 a.m. news bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise. I'm Sim Wibun from The Morning Run, BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Cents is brought to you by Sun Life Malaysia, your lifetime insurance and takaful partner. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.